Almost a year and a half ago, when I was still a deacon, I went to the Holy Land with my seminary classmates. And one place that we visited was the Chapel of the Ascension in East Jerusalem, built over the place where Jesus was believed to have ascended into heaven. And there were a couple of things that were a bit odd about visiting this place. First, one expects it to be situated perhaps on a beautiful hillside outside of Jerusalem. Instead, it is right in the middle of a bustling urban landscape. Actually, that's true of a lot of places in Jerusalem, a lot of the holy sites such as the Mount of Calvary where Jesus was crucified. What was once outside of the city walls has now been overtaken by urban sprawl. But more disconcerting is the fact that the Chapel of the Ascension is actually now on the grounds of a mosque. Originally, St. Helena, the mother of Constantine, had identified this spot as the place of the Ascension in the fourth century, and she ordered a church to be built there. And later, it was expanded into a monastery. But the church and the monastery complex were destroyed by Muslim invaders in the seventh century, then rebuilt by Christians in the eighth century but again destroyed by Muslims before again being rebuilt by the Crusaders in the 12th century. And it was finally destroyed by Muslim armies in the year 1187 and turned into a mosque. But on the grounds of the mosque, all that remains of the Christian structure is a small rotunda or small or round chapel that was once part of the monastery complex. It's actually smaller than our church here at St. John's. Indeed, it's probably no bigger than the sanctuary area right here in front of us. And a centuries-old agreement with the Muslim authorities of Jerusalem allows the chapel to be used for a Catholic mass just once a year on the Feast of the Ascension. And so when we visited the chapel in January, it was completely bare. No altar, no adornments, no tabernacle. There's just a small stone marked on the floor, which is said to be where the spot where Jesus was standing before he ascended to heaven. And what was more disconcerting was that just as my classmates and I were trying to pray in this small, dusty old chapel, the loudspeaker of the nearby minaret started blasting the Muslim call to prayer in Arabic. It's not a live person up there in the minaret. It's a pre-recorded voice, and they play it so loud for the whole neighborhood to hear. And this is not a knock on the Muslim faith, but it just kind of has a jarring feel to it, like an intercom system in a prison blasting away. And so all of this, the rundown urban landscape, the bare chapel where mass was only said occasionally, and knowing that this spot where Jesus last touched the earth was now housed within the complex of another faith. All of this bothered me a lot. But then I recall the passage from Acts. Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the sky? And I realized that we have no reason to be sad. We don't cling to this spot on the earth because it is all that we have left of Jesus. Yes, as Catholics, we venerate relics and holy sites and all of these physical reminders that we have of God's work in our history. Of course we do, but they aren't sad reminders of what once was. Think of a movie where there is a character that is holding on to some cherished item from a loved one, someone who is dead or missing from their lives, perhaps a locket or a handkerchief or a photograph that they pull out and gaze at so longingly. 
What was once theirs is no longer really there. And we feel so intensely sad for them that their connection to that person now hangs by such a slender reed. Instead, as Christians, we need to remember that these holy places and things are hints of the treasures that we really and truly have now. They aren't a pitifully strained connection to what we might have lost. No, they are a joyful reminder that the supernatural is real, that Christ really walked this earth, that he truly became man and inhabited our world. And the corollary of that belief is that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he did not really leave us behind. He ascended, as St. Paul reminds us, so that he might fulfill all things. He went to the Father so that he could continue to intercede for us. First and foremost, of course, by sending the Holy Spirit to guide us, which we will celebrate at Pentecost next week. But because also with the Father, he can continue to direct and guide his church. From the Father's right hand, he continues to guide his kingdom. It's this artificial way of thinking for us to imagine that heaven is some far distant place. No, Jesus in heaven is closer than we can imagine. It's the same with the saints in heaven. We are not, as some Protestant critics might claim, praying to the dead. Jesus said, I am not the God of the dead, but of the living. The saints in heaven are closer to us now than they ever could have been on earth because they are like Jesus with God the Father. And that's why they can intercede for us more powerfully than they ever could have while inhabiting this world. Visiting holy sites like the Chapel of the Ascension and being touched by these places that the Lord touched is important. To see the relics of the saints is an important reminder of their reality in our lives. But our faith is not a museum piece. Instead, it is a mission. Our Lord told us, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every person. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And we know that as we do these things, Christ is with us. It says in the gospel that after Jesus ascended to the Father, the apostles went forth and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them. The Lord worked with them because he never really left them. Ours is a living faith. Jesus Christ continues to live with us. We see this most especially when we celebrate the Eucharist, because that is when we see that the supernatural is really not so far removed from the natural, that heaven and earth can really touch, and most importantly, that we can receive this Eucharist and Christ will accompany us in all that we do. The primary evidence for our faith is not in the Holy Land, as wonderful a place as that is to visit. It is in the church herself and all the signs that accompany those who believe. St. Paul said, and he gave some as apostles, others as prophets, others as evangelists, others as pastors and teachers, to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. It is these gifts that he has given to the church and to each one of us as Christians that we look to as evidence that Christ really ascended into heaven and is at the right hand of the Father, and that he will return again as he promised. They are the evidence that the extraordinary is just so close, 
just on the far side of the ordinary.